Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 325. On Now You Know. We're brought to you by our amazing Patreon patrons. Help support us bring you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know. There are a lot of really cool perks over there. We really hope that you enjoy them. We spend a lot of time working on them. So Elon tweeted on Thanksgiving Day, Tesla full self-driving beta is now available to anyone in North America who requests it from the car screen, assuming you have bought this option. Congrats to the Tesla Autopilot AI team on achieving a major milestone. Oh, wow, so it's like a Thanksgiving present. Is that a thing? Love to eat turkey. Okay, so what does this mean? We go live to our expert in the studio. Zach, from now you know, you've been covering this for years. You and that other guy. Uh, what does this tweet mean? So am I playing a news anchor? but I'm playing myself, is that it? I mean, some people are making this sound like a big deal, but others are very dismissive. So you're the expert, is this a big deal? Uh, it's a big deal on a couple different levels, Bob. Uh, do I call you Bob? What's your uh, anchorman? Dash Reynolds. It's a big deal, Dash. Number one, it signals that Elon is feeling confident in his autonomy team of engineers. Remember, this is FSD beta, not the final FSD. It is still very much in testing, but if Elon feels confident enough to open it up to everyone who wants it, then this is a great step forward. Number two is financially, this can help Tesla's bottom line. Look at this tweet from The Accountant. FSD Beta North American wide release estimated financial impact in addition to the $922 million of deferred revenue recognition upside, 26 cents of earnings per share, Tesla may now recognize 100% of revenue on all new purchases of FSD in North America, 60% previously. This adds 4 cents to quarter four earnings per share and approximately 20 cents earnings per share to fiscal year 23. Now, we're going to talk about this more on the Investor Club bonus story this week, but number three is what this signals about data. Data? Yes, Dash. You see, previously, Tesla had opened full self-driving beta to about 100,000 drivers. Now, with Elon opening it to all drivers who want it, we could be talking hundreds of thousands of Teslas adding to the training computer dojo. Dojo? Yeah, Dojo, Dash. Uh, dojo is the supercomputer that Tesla developed to handle all the data from all the Teslas on full self-driving beta. Every time you drive in FSD beta, the car is sending video to be processed by Dojo to learn how to drive better. The more miles it can analyze, the faster it can learn. This tweet signals that Dojo can now handle even more data, which means it can learn even faster. Computers learning? Take a look at this chart, Dash. This is cumulative miles driven with full self-driving beta in millions, from practically nothing way back in 2020 to over 35 million miles driven this summer. Look how fast this chart is rising. Then think about Waymo with about only 300 cars on the road. You're saying lots of things now that I don't understand, and uh, my producer is saying that we have to cut to the weather. Yeah, so this is stuff that uh, doesn't really get talked about in the mainstream media. Um, I get it. It's complicated. But I just wish that the mainstream media would talk about all this stuff that's going on, make these terms recognizable to people, because then they would start to understand Tesla like you understand it. But now my question is, is this a walk back from a million robo taxis by the end of the year? And then, of course, a million people with full self-driving beta by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, Elon did say those things. And this isn't exactly what he said. We all thought there would be a million robo taxis just driving around and that's not going to happen. But that's, you know, typical for Elon. He sets the bar high, gets his team really revved up, and then they can't always meet that time goal. Uh, will it happen next year? I'm hopeful. Mm. How about you? I don't know. I mean, it's obviously Dash. going to be... <laughs> 
It's obviously going to be uh, increasing the speed uh, at which they're going to be able to learn, um, hopefully. I mean, th there still has to be some humans in the mix where they go, okay, well, we've learned this much, um, but we're having an error here, so we need to do some kind of – I'm not going to pretend that I even know I the just, neural net stuff. But. I just think it's astounding, if you think about it for a second, that Waymo has 300 cars. Mm -hmm. 300 cars. That sounds like a lot. Sounds like a lot of data. But Tesla has now – well over 100,000 cars and growing fast. And so, I mean, the amount of data we're talking about here is just orders of magnitude more. And the reason why uh, Waymo can't do this is because they couldn't process the data. They've made a completely different system. They've right. mapped everything. And they're using LiDAR. Right. And again, this is the crutch that Elon talked about a long time ago. Everyone dismissed it, but his system is getting better and better. And Waymo is still, we're talking 300 cars. And we're talking about only San Francisco and... Uh, couple places in Arizona and Texas. I mean, and this is where he talked about local maximums, where it's like, oh, look at we're, we're far ahead. So look at us driving around. No safety driver or nothing. I mean, that's cool and everything, but you've mapped all of these places. Right. And so it's kind of cheating. It's like having the cheat sheet there for the car to be like, oh, where am I? Okay. Okay. And then I, and then the left. Okay. Whereas Tesla, you know, it has a map, but it doesn't, it's not mapped to the well, same degree where it's like, and then the hydrant good. And then I'll take the left. Wait, the hydrant isn't there <laughs> yeah, anymore. Wait, exactly. <laughs> right. Cause that's and not then, what you do as a human. You, you kind of know your area, but if something's missing, you don't just stop your car and go, I can't proceed without <laughs> that stop sign. Or I just, I follow a map where I'm like, oh, okay. William street. Okay, good. I'm not going like, where's the hot dog stand? Where's the hot dog stand? I don't know where I am. Where am I? Where am I? And that kind of leads into this next story. Elon tweeted out this week, Tesla team just completed a 500 mile drive with a Tesla semi weighing in at 81,000 pounds. Wow. So a fully loaded Tesla semi drove 500 miles. Well, the gross weight was 81,000 pounds. It wasn't towing 81,000 pounds? No, no, no. See, most semi trucks are only allowed to weigh a total of 80,000 pounds. That's with payload. Wait, so the Tesla was too heavy? Well, is that the story? Here? No, 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 no. The, the Consolidated Appropriations Act, which was signed in 2019, included a provision that allows, quote, natural gas and electric battery vehicles to carry an additional 2000 pounds to account for the extra weight of their drivetrains. This means that the Tesla's semi GVWR or gross vehicle weight rating is allowed to be up to 82000 pounds. Wow. So even though its gross weight was 81000 pounds, it's still pulling a full load. Well, a full load isn't like a standard thing. Okay. Now, most class eight semi trucks weigh on average about 17,000 pounds all by themselves, okay. just the truck, leaving only about 63,000 pounds for actual towing capacity, bringing the GVWR to 80,000 pounds. However, we don't actually know how much the Tesla semi weighs. Oh, I see. And as far as we know, the Tesla semi could weigh like 50,000 pounds, leaving only 32,000 pounds of actual towing capacity. Now, it's probably not that dramatic. Um, we're probably on the order of 18 to 20,000 pounds of the semi itself. OK, but a full 500 mile journey at 81,000 pounds, all electric. That's awesome. Oh, totally. I am super stoked to get our hands on ours and yes. test it out. I can't wait to test it out and get butts in seats. And you're not the only one. Elon was asked, I wonder what Bill Gates is saying about his comments in the past that Tesla semis will never happen. Tesla semi deliveries are happening next week. And Elon said he can drive it himself if he wants. Does Bill Gates have a CDL? I don't think that it matters. I think you take it to a <laughs> private road and you can do whatever you want. Um, this is what I was talking about. Um, Bill Gates, one of the smartest men in the world, uh, said this can never happen. It just happened, Bill. Yeah. Um, but what you did was you misled 
millions of people into thinking that it couldn't happen all because you didn't sit down with a piece of paper, figure out from first principles whether it could or not. You just, I don't know who you believed. Um, and this is what pisses me off about mm. the media. Bill Gates has now become an expert on all things because he's a rich guy. <laughs> what? <laughs> I created a crappy operating system way back in the 90s. So I know all about semi-trucks now. <laughs> I haven't been in charge of it for years and decades, but I'm still the smartest man alive and you should all listen to me because I'm uh, rich and that's it. Yeah, I mean, and maybe... You know, if we wanted the truck first, we should have been as negative as Bill was. Um, and then we would have gotten the ride first just to just because. Damn would have, it. I it knew that was just wrong. Um, no, but I mean, I, I kind of knew that Tesla was going to be able to do this. I don't know. Of course. Oh, I don't know why. I because knew. because Elon did the math. Well, and it's because we've driven Teslas for so long. We've tested out uh, the supercharger network. But I think you brought up a really good point. The next big question for a lot of people is going to be how heavy is that truck so we can know how big is the load it can carry? Because if it's if it's too heavy a truck, then people will be like, it doesn't carry anything. It's not that critical, though. It's going to it's not going to be much more than 20,000 pounds I agree. at I agree. the maximum. I agree. And so you're going to be able to tell pretty much the same amount. I mean, most most, and truckers, correct me if I'm wrong, most of the time you don't have the maximum full load where they're like, all right, put put one more pair of sunglasses on there, Bob. Oh, hang on, hang on. Take it off, take it off. Like, we're not, we're not getting to that level. It's usually a lot of stuff right. in a truck, don't get me wrong, but it's we're never really maxing it out, so to speak, in that sense. Right. Hey, and if you think that Bill Gates is wrong, hit the like button. It helps us out. All right, so Liz Wheeler tweeted at Elon, if Apple and Google boot Twitter from their app stores, Elon should produce his own smartphone. Half the country would happily ditch the biased snooping iPhone and Android. The man builds rockets to Mars. A silly little smartphone should be easy, right? And Elon said, I certainly hope it does not come to that. But yes, if there is no other choice, I will make an alternative phone. Wow. So, so all that talk of Tesla having an iPhone is going to be true then, I guess, huh? Yeah. The, the Tesla pie, finally. Imagine that threat, though. <laughs> How many other companies can threaten to just, all right, we'll make our own phone? Because it doesn't have to do that well. No. It's just going to dig into their market share. It could just have a Twitter app on the front page. That would be the whole use of the phone. Because it's going to be an everything app. All they would have to do is take about around like 5% market share. And that would just, yeah. I would really hurt uh, Google and Apple. How about this idea? What if it's kind of like an inkjet printer where they sell you the phone for practically nothing and then they make their money back on the fact that you're using the Twitter app? So a phone that only runs Twitter. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I guess. The everything phone. You'd call it a tweeter. It'd be like a beeper. So according to Bloomberg, Elon had a virtual meeting with South Korean President Yoon Suk-yul last Wednesday, where they discussed Tesla's plans to build another gigafactory in Asia. Elon also discussed Tesla's plans to build out more superchargers in South Korea. And Musk said that Tesla expects to purchase at least $10 billion in parts from South Korean companies by next year. So could one of Tesla's next gigafactories be built in South Korea? It seems almost inevitable. I mean, Tesla has said that they plan to grow production from what they're at today to about 20 million vehicles per year by the end of this decade. So to do that, they'll need about 10 gigafactories altogether. I'm just assuming 2 million cars per gigafactory. Uh, so that's another six new gigafactories that would be needed. My guess, we've talked about Mexico. We've talked about Canada. We've talked about the East Coast of the United States. I think that South Korea and then probably another one in China. And then my guess is another one in Europe. But what do you guys think? I mean, this is super exciting because we yep. just we just 
reported on uh, Elon's trip down to Nuevo León in Mexico, where he was talking to some big wigs down there. Mm -hmm. It definitely seemed like they were going to do something down there. But now we're talking about South Korea, the same thing. It makes sense, right? We, yep. we finally have gotten the Gigafactory up and running in China. We finally just about gotten the Gigafactory in Berlin up and running. And now we have Austin up and running. They're not at full capacity yet, um, except for China, which is <laughs> blowing past all expectations. But yeah, uh, I guess now is the time to start building new Gigafactories. Think about the big stopping factor for most companies, right? To build a giant factory costs billions of dollars. Mm. So for most of them, it's how do you get the money? Mm. Well, with Tesla, as we're going to talk about on today's Investor Club bonus story, that is not the problem. Uh -uh. So Tesla Scope, which is a site that closely follows Tesla over-the-air updates, just tweeted this. The latest version of full self-driving beta 10.69.3.1 can detect some forms of autopilot defeat devices and will be slowly adapted over time as new methods are discovered by Tesla. If if detected, it will result in a forced autopilot disengagement resulting in strikes. So let's remind everyone what autopilot defeat devices are. Uh, Tesla requires you to keep your hands on the wheel when driving autopilot or full self-driving. But the steering wheels in Teslas don't have sensors on them uh, like they do like on the Rivian, which I think has them. Instead, they sense torque applied to the wheel to know if you're indeed awake and have your hands on the steering wheel. Some people have simulated this with an orange or a water bottle or specifically made defeat devices that sit on the steering wheel and use gravity to apply a torque. So this new software that we're hearing about could put an end to defeat devices and force drivers to stay attentive with their hands on the wheel. And I just want to talk about strikes for a second because I think a lot of people are like, what's a strike? Uh, what is a strike? It's only for a safety score. So uh, I, I guess they've ditched it now for anyone who wants full self-driving beta or maybe you still have to go through the safety score thing. Maybe they're going to reintroduce strikes, though. I mean, maybe to keep you honest, they're going to have some certain number of strikes and then you don't get FSD beta if you get too many strikes. It's a possibility. I mean, another thing would be uh, anyone on Tesla insurance would definitely mm. uh, start to feel the ire of Tesla. Um, look, defeat devices are not good. Mm. OK, they they are not magic. They will most likely uh, result in you uh, getting into an accident if you use them. So don't fucking use them. Called it. What, what are you talking about? Okay, I'm gonna give you the clues. Clue number one. The NAX, or Tesla's North American charging standard that we talked about on one of our last shows. Remember, it's of course awesome and smaller than CCS. Okay. Clue number two. We just published our recent interview with Aptera's co-CEO, Chris Anthony, and the head of solar, Anuj Thakkar, and- I got it. I knew it. Aptera is gonna use the Tesla connector for charging. Yes, you got it. We kind of heard Chris say this during our interview, uh, but now it appears to be official. An email from Aptera to reservation holders and investors says, remember when our founders started a conversation about the need for a greater emphasis on efficiency and accessibility in EV charging infrastructure? Steve and Chris launched a petition urging policymakers to implement Tesla's connector and plug, now NAX, as the standard for EV charging in the U.S. With your support, the petition continues to gain momentum. It has received over 40,000 signatures and counting. And just four months later, Tesla announced its decision to open its connector design to the world. We're willing to bet the buzz you generated around the petition played a part in this, and we look forward to incorporating NAX in our EVs. Thank you for challenging the status quo. You just figured out blues, please. If you're new to the channel and you're like, what's an Aptera? It's a three-wheeled EV being produced in San Diego. It starts at $25,900. There are currently about 37,000 reservations and deliveries are expected to start next year. And uh, we're going to be getting a bunch to show you as soon as possible. So if you want to reserve one, check our referral link in the show notes and you'll save $30 on your deposit. 
Yeah, you'll only have to put down $70 to reserve your very own Aptera. Now, by the way, the long range model is going to have a thousand miles of range and you can get them with solar all over the thing and they're expecting to get about 40 miles a day of free range from the sun. Only a thousand miles? Yeah. I'm so worried <laughs> if I'll make it to my destination. I'm, I, I'm excited because once they start producing, they're going to be beating out Lucid for their mm -hmm. highest range EV ever. Um, and it's going to basically shut up everyone who ever has had an argument with, well, EVs need a big range. I can't deal with 300 miles. That's not enough for me. I drive a lot. I need like a thousand miles of range, even though my truck only gets 400. And you know what I'm excited about we should be able to do something that no one's probably ever been able to do before what's that well we're gonna have the tesla semi and if we have an aptera uh -huh. we should be able to do a cannonball and see which one makes it across the country faster because they'll both of them won't have to charge hardly at all or or we could do a like a two-stage cannonball because the Aptera doesn't weigh hardly anything. Uh -huh. So if it's being towed by the Tesla semi-truck, which oh. can go 500 miles with a gross weight of 80,000 pounds, it can probably go a like lot a thousand further. or something, yeah. If it could go 1,000 miles and then the... The Aptera pulls go out and goes, miles. so we could go like 2,000 miles on one charge. I'm just saying, wow. I bet, I bet we could figure out a way to go even further because we could have a, a solar powered trailer on the, huh? What if we went from the Arctic to the Antarctic? <laughs> no, <laughs> we're going to stay Why in not? America. Why? Well, speaking of charging, uh, we just learned that there's going to be an 88 stall supercharger installed. Whoa. Where? Quartzsite, Arizona. Okay. Wow. I haven't heard of that place before. You haven't heard of it? I mean, no. it already has a 36 stall uh, supercharger. And they're going to put it in an 88 stall supercharger? Yeah, right across the street. What's going on? I don't know. I thought about this a lot. First, I think we thought maybe like Burning Man, it, it was for that, but no, Burning Man's up in Nevada. Oh. Then we were like, maybe they're going to put in like a big mine. But we're like, why would you need all the superchargers for a mine? Then we thought like, maybe there's going to be a gemstone convention. I really don't know. Well, if so you look at the map here. It's between LA and Phoenix. Right. So I'm assuming it's a route that a lot of people take. Oh, sure. It's on Route 10. It's a major highway. But my thing is like, it's three and a half hours from LA. It's like two hours from Phoenix. And so I get it. It's it's a good middle point. But mm -hmm. why wouldn't you put a bunch of superchargers kind of spread out like a bunch of 12 stalls? Why I mean, would you put an 88 stall next to a 36 stall? I mean, there is not a lot of places to stop. Somebody out there, you must know. We must be overlooking something obvious. Um, please let us know in the comments below what the heck is going on. Why would Tesla be putting in this supercharger at this location? Because I was thinking like maybe it's for RoboTaxi, but it's too far away from Phoenix. And I don't think that like Quartzsite is going to be Tesla's testing ground for full no. self-driving RoboTaxi. I mean, there's nothing in this town, really. There's a Carl's Jr. There's a gem place and a jerky place. Like, right. I don't know why they're doing this and and also just energy it takes a lot of power to run one of these and like i don't even think there's like a big grid substation nearby or anything well i mean there is a lot of solar in the region yeah and they are going to build four solar canopies here but i just don't think that's going to be enough to power 88 supercharger here's my question here's my question even if you put like a 16 stall here i don't think it would ever be full maybe maybe on like thanksgiving it would be even the i mean the pictures of the 36 stall that are there i've never seen it full None of the pictures show it being full, right. even close. Right. They don't even show it being half full. Right. Please comment down yeah. below what is going Somebody on knows. in Quartzsite. Maybe the town decided to pay for it. I don't know. In Starlink news, SpaceX announced last week that Starlink is now available all across Alaska and Canada. 
That's amazing. All of it? Yeah, light blue is available. Medium blue is waitlist and dark blue is coming soon. So you can see that all of Canada and Alaska, if you live there, you can get Starlink. What's what's waitlist? Now, waitlist means that uh, Starlink service is available, but if you uh, want Starlink, you're going to be put on a waitlist because there's already a lot of existing users okay. in the area. Again, the problem that Starlink has is bandwidth. Servicing like New York City isn't really practical with Starlink because you only have like one satellite connection for millions of people in a certain area. Um, it's really good out in the country where there's <laughs> fewer people. And so it's able to split up that bandwidth more effectively. Also, they tweeted out, now also serving Finland in addition to expanding coverage across all of Sweden and Norway. So our Nordic friends can uh, now watch us via Starlink. That's right. Over 3,200 satellites, by the way. And again, these aren't wimpy download speeds. Finland, for instance, is expecting to get 50 to 200 megabits per second. Local media in Tanzania, Africa, is reporting that SpaceX has applied for a license with the Tanzania Communications Regulatory Authority to provide Starlink in the country. This would be the third African country after Nigeria and Mozambique to license Starlink, and they should be making their decision in the next few weeks. And according to Starlink's website, Tanzania should start in Q1 next year. And lastly, the U.S. military is testing Starlink in the Arctic to see if they want to become a customer. According to Brian Beal, a principal aerospace engineer at the Air Force Research Laboratory's Strategic Development and Experimentation Office, the military will be testing 50 Starlink terminals for 6 to 12 months in some of the harshest conditions on Earth and will also be testing the terminals in flight aboard aircraft. And I mean, if we're talking about military, we know what a difference uh, Starlink has already made in Ukraine. And it also appears that Japan's military is also considering Starlink for maritime defense. Yeah. I mean, this is a game changer. Getting Internet access pretty much anywhere on Earth uh, with these speeds is amazing. And I mean, you would expect this to cost like thousands of dollars. But I mean, what is it like a few hundred bucks for the terminal and then like one hundred and thirty five a month? Like, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not, uh, you know, the cheapest source of Internet in the world. But, but it's, it's one of your only choices in many places. <laughs> in many places, it's your only choice. And I think that, you know, there's all this talk about like, well, there's other companies coming. I just don't see that happening. All of these other companies are probably going to have to pay either SpaceX to launch their satellites or they're going to have to pay some other launch company to launch their right. satellites into space. SpaceX can do it for cheaper because they, A, have the cheapest launch system uh, in the world in, uh, for the payload capacity that it can bring. And secondly, uh, they don't have to pay any markup on that. So. Right. That's why they've been launching multiple uh, Starlink rockets a month. It's insane. Uh, most it's, It doesn't get reported hardly anywhere. We don't even really report it on it that much because it's, it's so, so boring. It, it happens just keeps every week. happening and they keep relanding it and reusing it. And that saves so much freaking money. It's amazing. I could talk about Starlink for days. Automobili Pinafarina is close to releasing their all-electric Batista Hyper GT. During homologation tests, which are basically safety regulation stuff, they took the 1900 horsepower, 2340 newton meter of torque hypercar out on the track and broke some world records, namely all of these. Zero to 16, 1.79. Did they put Velcro on the course? Like, how did they get the tires to grip that much? Uh, I don't know. Special tires. Now, top speed is only... 217 miles an hour, 350 kilometers an hour. Um, so it doesn't beat the Rimac Nevera, which was the record that we talked about last week. By the way, if you want one of these beasts, it's going to set you back 2.2 million euro. Only 150 of these will be made, and each takes over 1,250 hours to assemble by hand in Italy, where they custom make each one to your exacting specifications. Eh? By the way, 
Pinafarina is now owned by the Indian company Mahindra. Interesting. It is funny how many of these companies have been changing hands over the past few years and how it's hard to keep track of. Mm. When Geely owns Volvo, which owns Polestar, like it just begins to be a giant mess. Right. But most people completely ignore that and they say, well, you know, Volvo and Polestar, those are Swedish companies. Right. And look, a lot of Swedish people work for them. Right. But that doesn't mean that they're owned by Swedish. Or made there. <laughs> or made they're there. made in China. Necessarily. Yeah. It depends. But I mean, what a beast of a hypercar. Yeah. Uh, you got 2.2 million euros hanging around. And you might be saying, look, there's only 150 of these being made. I only care about how many posters they're going to sell of this thing because that is what I care about. I care about the posters hanging on people's walls and they go, do you know how fast that thing is? And they're like, whoa, how fast? And they're like, you go fast any other thing because it was electric. All I care about is that the electric gets slipped in there because then people go, oh, electric, fast, powerful, which they are. And then when they're thinking about buying a car, and I've said this a million times, they go, well, if the, if the Batista is super fast and it's electric, well then, Sign me up for an EV. According to our friends over at the Cybertruck Owners Club, uh, they have a Cybertruck reservation tracker and they estimate the number of Cybertruck reservations now stands at over 1.6 million. That's over $123 billion in booked total revenue if and when Tesla makes all of them. Now, we are sponsored by Cybertruck Owners Club. They help make this show possible. And we should keep in mind that this reservation tracker is just extrapolating data. Yeah, it's not that every person with a reservation entered their data, but they have so many people, like over 37,000 who have entered the reservation data, that this tracker seems very accurate. And it's really cool to see what the breakdown is for things like uh, trim reservations and full self-driving. Now, Tesla says they're on track for production of Cybertruck to start in mid-2023. 1.6 million. And I think unlike other reservations where people drop off, I feel like more people are going to be like, can I just add to that? Can I get a second or third one? I don't think that people are going to be getting second or third ones, but... I think a lot of contractors are. It's true. Um, but like I, fleets, you know? Yeah. And I think that a lot of people are going to be like, once they start seeing them on the roads, a lot of people are going to get interested and be like, wait, what is this truck that I haven't heard of before? I am really excited about today's show. You know why? Why? Well, because we are building a team of video editors from around the world. Um, and we'd like to have you potentially be one of them. Um, so if you want to fill out, there's a quick Google form in the show notes below. Um, and some of our new editors are even editing the show as we speak. Um, now, I don't think you're watching what they've edited yet. They're just learning to get the show together. But in a couple weeks, this should all be edited by a remote team of crack editors from around the world. And I, we do want you to be part of that. So if you're a video editor and you'd like to join the team, fill out the link below and you might be able to join the team. So check out this next story, Jesse. Wow. VinFast moves fast. Uh, VinFast is the Vietnamese EV maker. They have just shipped its first batch of 999 VF8s. Those are the all-electric SUVs. And they're shipping them to the U.S. aboard the cargo ship Silver Queen. They're expected to arrive in California on or about December 15th since leaving Haiphong, Vietnam last Friday. The VF8 is priced starting at $42,200 without the battery, which customers will subscribe to. Wait, so it's battery as a service? That's right. It's time to get your bass on and subscribe. We got two bass plans for you. You got your fixed plan for $169 a month and you got your fixed plan for $169 a month. But you just said fixed plan twice, and they cost the same. That's right. Those are your two choices. No, no, no. We reported a few months ago, VinFast was going to offer two 
different plans, a fixed plan, and it was $110 a month, and a cheaper, flexible plan for $39 a month. Right you are, Sonny Boy. You did report that. But VinFast decided to drop the cheap plan and raise the price of the fixed plan by 59 bucks. That's called your good old bait and switch. So let me get this straight. If I buy the VF8 for $42,200, I will also need to subscribe for another $169 a month to get the battery? Yes, indeedy. But if you already reserved, then you get the old lower price according to VinFast. Oh, okay. Okay, so you, you got to act fast. <laughs> but the, it's too late, these but you deals did have are, to act fast. <laughs> you had to have acted fast in the past because uh, these prices have already gone quickly. Now They're going VinFast. Now, the thing is, I don't think you qualify here in the U.S. for the, any of the federal tax incentives on this, because even though the price is below the $80,000 threshold, um, they're not made in the U.S., so I don't think any of those apply. Um, what I would love it if, if you're one of the new owners of one of these VinFast to send us some photos and video mm. um, and also tell us, like, were you able to get any credits? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited that we have a new EV. Oh, and, and also tell us which plan you signed up for. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm excited that there's a new EV manufacturer in the world that they got up and running so quickly. I know, it's amazing. Uh, were they just in stealth mode for a really long time and we just know. didn't know about well, it? Well, I mean, they're a big car company, so they already had all the infrastructure. I but see. yeah, I don't, that's, it is pretty amazing. South Korean-based LG Chem has just signed a memorandum of understanding with the state of Tennessee to build what they say will be the largest battery cathode factory in the United States. Yeah, the $3 billion factory will be built on a 420-acre site in Clarksville, Tennessee. And will produce 120,000 tons of cathode material when it's fully up and running in 2027. That's enough battery material to power over a million EVs. Now, a major reason cited for building the plant here is the Inflation Reduction Act, which gives huge manufacturing credits and federal incentives for customers when the EVs are made with North American parts. The LG Chem Factory will be making NCMA, or nickel, cobalt, manganese, and aluminum cathode materials, and is partnered with Lifecycle for recycling. So the factory should start construction in the first quarter of next year, and mass production should start in the second half of 2025. LG Chem's strategy is to produce four times more cathode material than they do today by 2027. That would be about $15 billion worth by 2027. And the best part is that LG Chem says that the factory will be entirely run on solar and hydroelectric power. And it creates 850 new jobs. So back in 2016, Tesla started working on its own self-driving hardware instead of hiring Mobileye to do all that work for them. In 2019, when Tesla unveiled their hardware 3.0 self-driving computer, Elon said that Tesla was working on a next generation computer that was about two years away. Well, it's been more than two years, but we are now hearing from news sources in China that Tesla is working with TSMC, or Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, to make the new processor that will drive the newest self-driving computer. TSMC is one of the world's largest chip manufacturers and will reportedly be making the new chips at its Phoenix, Arizona facility. This will make Tesla one of TSMC's top seven customers next year. Um, and so Tesla had been working with Samsung and NVIDIA on previous full self-driving hardware. It's now really cool to see the speed with which Tesla went from being a customer of Mobileye for this tech to now becoming one of the biggest customers for processors from one of the world's largest chip makers. It's really astounding. Yeah, hundreds of thousands of vehicles with full self-driving computers, the biggest fleet in the world in just seven years. Yeah. So Mercedes-Benz has just come out with a new feature. It's a yearly subscription to improved acceleration. What? Yeah, the EQE and the EQS's zero to 60 time can be improved by 0.8 to one second. So 
This is just like uh, Tesla with their acceleration boost. Not quite. Uh, Tesla's acceleration boost costs a flat fee of $2,000. So then you get it forever more. Whereas Mercedes costs $1,200 a year. Wow. So in two years, it already costs more than Tesla. Still, what is wrong with Mercedes and Tesla for doing this? I mean, nobody likes paying more for a hardware upgrade that isn't a hardware upgrade. It's actually just a software upgrade. Yeah, I mean, you could argue, though, that you have a choice. Like if you didn't buy the car for extreme acceleration, that you don't have to pay for it. But it can do it. That's like buying an engine and they're like, it's an eight cylinder, but you only get six. You got to pay. We'll turn it on with software if you want the eight cylinder with the more power and acceleration. I think it's like a lot of things um, and like. I mean, you have software, right, that you pay a subscription for. And if you're willing to pay more, you get like better resolution or you get better this or better that. Like it's just something car manufacturers could never offer before. But now they can. Uh, and the other part, though, is that Mercedes, even with the improved acceleration, are still slower than the Model 3 long range, even without the acceleration boost. Oh, so those are the new times. Yeesh. And that's before considering that the base EQS costs $104,000 and the EQE starts at $74,900. Okay, wait, so I could have just, I mean, you could have, instead of buying even the EQE, which is the cheapest of the cheapest that you could have bought, you could have bought a performance Model 3, which is faster than everything that we're talking about here. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be at a red light one day with your EQE, right? And you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to smoke that guy. Oh, shit, I haven't subscribed. <laughs> and you're going to hit the subscribe button, pay your $1,200, smoke the guy, and then be like, oh, I can't shut that off for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure I'm, I'm sure it'll just auto. I mean, it, <laughs> auto renew. That's going to ruin a lot of people's credit cards. They're going to be like, all right, and it's November. And what's this uh, notice I'm getting? Oh, overdraft. What's, what's going on? Sunrun has just announced that they have started changing over their fleet to F-150 Lightnings. Wow, look at that. There's um, one, two, three, four, 15 Ford Lightnings. Yeah, Sunrun has a goal of transitioning half its fleet to electric or hybrid by the end of 2025. Hmm, okay. I mean, that time frame is fast approaching. And as far as we know, they only bought the ones in this picture here. Well, kind of makes sense. I don't think that Sunrun needs the Lariat editions of the Ford F-150 Lightning, which are currently being sold. I mean, it's overkill in terms of range and features for most of the use cases I'd expect they'd be doing. Yeah, I mean, the base model Ford would probably be the one I'd gravitate towards as a short range work truck. Although most solar contractors I see around here have vans, not pickups. Which again goes to why I think the Ford E-Transit should be more prioritized by Ford because for a lot of contractors, Pickup trucks don't make as much sense as vans do. You can keep all your stuff locked in there safely. And as we've learned as we become more pickup truck owners, there's so much aftermarket stuff that you buy to make your bed of the truck into like a van. <laughs> like all these boxes and enclosures that weigh a lot, cost a lot, and basically limit the space. And then on those few occasions where you want it to be a pickup truck again, like pour gravel in, you'd have to take all the things out. So I don't know. It's kind of weird. Well, maybe this next story is perfect then. Ford has just unveiled the e-Torneo electric van. Wow. So 74 kilowatt hour battery for 230 miles of range. Not sure which range standard that's under. 160 kilowatt motor, 11 kilowatts of AC charging, or 125 kilowatts of DC fast charging. Hmm. Towing up to 2,000 kilograms and offers 2.3 kilowatts of pro power onboard technology, kind of like what we have on the Ford, uh, quite a bit less power, and seating up to eight. Wow, decent enough stats. And again, perfect for a contractor or even a family. Now, why call it the e-Torneo though? I've never heard of that before. Are you not familiar with the Ford Tornio? 
No, is that like the gas version? Why haven't I heard of it? That's because it's sold in Europe, just like the Eternio. Wait, we can't buy the Eternio in the US? Uh, no. You might be able to get an E-Transit, but it won't come with more than two seats. Darn, it's not a bad little van. Uh, it could use some more range, though. Yeah, and it's not coming out till 2024. You know, I think a lot of people would like this van not only for commercial fleet uses, but also like as an RV configuration. Yeah, we haven't had too many electric van stuff. And I think a lot of people want to do uh, electric van life. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for Ford, in my opinion, in terms of selling solar panels and inverters and all sorts of stuff that could make this into a really fun, uh, maybe not even just the Eternio, even even the, the Transit, um, into a very fun RV. I mean, I owned a van for years. And I feel like I got to see all of its potential because we used it as a family vehicle, as a work vehicle, like a, a DJed out of it. Like they're so useful in so many different ways. We had one where you could take the back seat out so it could be for your family on the weekends and for your business on the weekdays. And I just feel like, I don't know, maybe people forgot that vans are so useful. They do pretty much everything you want them to do. And why do you think that people forgot? <laughs> Because of gas prices. Oh, yeah. So having an electric version is going to really save a lot of money um, where I think a lot of gas powered vans were mm, probably costing a lot. Hey, and if you want to share one of the stories that you've seen in today's episode with your friends, but you don't want to share the whole hour long episode, go to our Now You Know Clips channel. There we chop them into bite sized clips so that you can share them with your friends. It's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson Shaving. And I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I think that. Another one of the reasons why my face is better since I've been using the Henson mm -hmm. is that not only is it an amazing razor and it holds the blade way better than my cartridge razor, I also just take a little bit more time when I'm shaving. Um, and so I shave a little bit slower and I also like do all of the routine because mm. I feel so fancy mm -hmm. having such a amazing uh, piece of technology in my hand that I go, oh, I am worth it. I'm not just I like, thought it was because you're a lord now. Part, partially that, but it's also because I'm not just taking my cartridge razor that I've used for a month and a half and going like, Aah! and then I'm like, oh, my face. So I really do. It's a great gift, by it's the way. It's such a good Christmas present. Anyone who shaves any part of their body um, could use one of these. Yeah, use our link down below. Get 100 free blades from Henson. Europe's biggest battery project is now online. Developed by Harmony Energy, the Pillswood Battery Project near Hull in East Yorkshire in the UK can store 196 megawatt hours. That's enough electricity to power 300,000 homes. Now, you may be wondering, why locate the project here? Well, if you're about to have the world's largest offshore wind project, the Dogger Bank Wind Farm, the first phase of which is coming online next summer, you'll want some batteries to go along with it to even out the ups and downs. So each of the three phases of the Dogger Bank wind project will bring 1.2 gigawatts of wind online. When all 3.6 gigawatts are online, that'll be enough to power, get this, six million homes. One rotation of this GE Halade X turbine blade, by the way, can power a UK household for two days. One rotation. Not, not it spinning all day. No, no, just that will power a household for two days. <laughs> anyway, back to the battery. And what makes this story so sweet is possibly the best part, which I've saved for last. This is Tesla time news after all. The batteries in this project are 
Tesla Mega Packs, and the entire project is operated through AutoBidder, Tesla's AI energy trading platform. Now, the developer, Peter Cavanaugh, director of Harmony Energy, said battery energy storage systems are essential to unlocking the full potential of renewable energy in the UK. These projects are not supported by taxpayer subsidy and will play a major role in contributing to the net zero transition, as well as ensuring the future security of the UK's energy supply and reduced reliance on foreign gas imports. So Tesla currently has over 1.2 gigawatt hours of energy storage storage under management with its auto bidder software. And Tesla has been busy cranking out the mega packs. Last quarter, Tesla deployed a record 2.1 gigawatt hours of battery storage. Tesla is currently pumping out 42 mega packs worth of batteries per week at Giga Nevada and is producing over 6,500 power walls per week. And let's not forget Tesla's mega pack factory in Lathrop, California. So Tesla's goal is to produce 40 gigawatt hours of battery storage annually. This is what Elon has talked about for years that most analysts do not even get. Tesla's energy division will probably become more valuable than its auto division over time. I counted 78 megapacks, by the way. Oh, and Harmony plans on building five more projects like this in the next year. Yeah. All right, it's time for Going Green, sponsored by EcoWare. And have you found the free item on EcoWare.us yet? I did find it. So there's a free, uh, there's a free item. Yeah. You uh, just have to find it. You have to find it. And while you're over there, you can do your holiday shopping. Uh, there's so many different items on there from not just, you know, T-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff, but hats and flip-flops and and shower curtains and puzzles. So head on over there now. And remember, we plant multiple trees for every order. We help cap methane spewing abandoned oil wells with the Well Done Foundation, making your purchase carbon negative. So get your holiday shopping done and start positive conversations today with carbon negative products at EcoWare. It's hard to imagine machines this big. <laughs> Building them and operating them seems just incredible to me. And for the longest time, trucks like this Caterpillar mining truck have been powered by huge diesel engines. But guess what? You are looking at an electric mining truck. Yeah, this is the Caterpillar 793S, which started testing in Tucson, Arizona. Caterpillar was able to get the 793 to finish a 4.3 mile course fully loaded, achieving a top speed of 37 miles an hour, and it even went up a 10% grade for a kilometer at 7.5 miles an hour. Caterpillar started the electrification project last year. Group president of Caterpillar, Denise Johnson, said, Our global team came together to develop this battery truck at an accelerated pace to help our customers meet their sustainability commitments. This demonstration is a significant milestone, and we're excited for these trucks to get to work at customer sites around the world in the near future. And, you know, it even has regen so it can get power back when it's going downhill without wearing out the brakes, which also means that if you're mining above where you're bringing the stuff down to, you never need to charge it. Because it's going up with less weight oh, right. and then it comes down with more. So it's it's perpetual motion. Uh, well, no, because you're bringing stuff down, but uh, it doesn't break the laws of physics. Just some incredible stats here, by the way. The truck is over 42 feet long, over 21 feet high. It weighs about 351,000 pounds or 175 tons, and it can carry 256 tons. That means when it's fully loaded, it can weigh up to 846,000 pounds or 423 tons. Now, the diesel version has a 2,337 horsepower engine and it carries 1,150 gallons of fuel. Caterpillar has entered into an agreement with the mining giant Rio Tinto to deploy 35 of these trucks at their iron ore mine in Pilbara, Western Australia. Now, we don't know much about the specs yet. No battery size or motor size announced, but it's got to be probably in the 2000 horsepower ballpark. For context, our Rivian R1T pickup has 835 horsepower. 
So two and a half Rivian powertrains could do the trick. And I've got to imagine that the battery is at least a couple hundred kilowatt hours. Yeah, I mean, mines are looking to clean up their image and this is the perfect machine to help them with that. Um, because as we all know, whenever you see a mine, all you talk about, right, is how awful they are for the planet. And, and look, they're not great for the planet. <laughs> it but... wasn't necessarily just the diesel. Right. That was the awful part for the planet. But, you know, burning 1,100 gallons of diesel fuel isn't really that great to I live I can't even to. imagine a fuel tank that big. <laughs> it's like a swimming pool. All right, it's time for Sunspots. Offshore wind is going to keep growing. Mark my words. And if you live in France, congratulations. France just went online with its first offshore wind project. 80 wind turbines producing 480 megawatts of electricity. The Saint-Nazaire offshore wind farm is producing enough power for 700,000 people annually. That's 20% of the Loire-Atlantique's annual electricity consumption. Now, the French government has the goal of generating 32% of its energy from renewables by 2030. Currently, they get about 20% from renewables. So, I mean, this is a story that you're going to hear over and over again. Countries are now putting more and more offshore wind. The biggest drawback, I think, to it was batteries, uh, was the fact that, yeah, we can produce all this wind, but then when it stops blowing, we have no e electricity for everybody. Once you start doing what we just talked about and that they're doing in Hull, uh, the UK, by putting batteries there, it means that when you do have a lull in the wind, you still got power. And if you'd like to become your own small energy provider, talk to the team at EnergyPal. They're the solar and battery experts that help homeowners go solar for less. Take more control of your energy, guarantee the price of power and storage costs for 20 years, do it all online on your couch, on your schedule. Click the link down below and let them know that Zach and Jesse sent you. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. And remember, we need your stories. So remember to send those in two minutes or less, shoot them in the landscape with good audio, no music, send them to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. What do we got this week? We've got JJ with a video about electric buses in France. Hey, it's JJ from Mythical City Games. I'm currently visiting Nice in the south of France and taking a look at the EV buses here. The buses were deployed in 2019 and they perform a five minute recharge at two terminals along the line, along with a nightly recharge at the depot. Pretty cool to see this technology in action, especially considering these buses cover over 350 kilometers per day. Well, now you know. Thank you, JJ. So cool to see the electric buses in action. No diesel noise, no fumes. Now, these buses went online in late 2019, and they have, I believe, six altogether in the Nice Côte d'Azur Metropolis. We might have to use this as an excuse to visit, by the way. I agree. I, you know, oh, we have to go to Nice, everyone. It's uh, it's just part of the job. Sorry, we have to check out these buses. <laughs> Got to ride the bus. Um, uh, Why haven't I seen the thing come down? I've seen pictures of we just saw these it. buses. I know. This is the first time I've actually seen it live in action in real life. We, we didn't see it in real life. You saw a video of I, it. I know, but I've, I'm saying outside of a CGI picture. Yeah. I mean, five minutes of charging. That's amazing. That's all they need. I know. That's amazing. All right. It's time for our Patreon bonus stories. And we've got an Investor Club bonus story this week. You're not going to want to miss if you want to talk about Tesla stuff. Um, and also, we got a whole bunch of fun Patreon bonus stories. So help support the show. Head on over to Patreon right now. It's only a buck a month to get the Patreon bonus stories. We do a lot of work for it. It's like we do pretty much half the show just for our patrons. Sometimes the whole show. Right. So head on over there now and get to see what we're talking about. All right, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories. It's time for the shout outs. These are the people that help support us at $5 or more a month. They're super important to the channel and they get their names in the end credits at the end of the show. Who do we got, Jess? We've got Kevin R. Duffy Sr. Vic Lugo. John Quintana. 
Victor Vic. And Michael Mordaunt. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do this show without you. Now, we did a poll, and if you want to be able to make your voices heard on our Patreon polls every week... Well, then join us over on Patreon and help support this show and get some cool perks. Now, what did our Patreon say? Oh, what was the poll, by the way? And remember, they're almost always right. Do you think that one of Tesla's next gigafactories will be in South Korea? Ooh, what answer they... is... No! <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. I wasn't expecting that. So um, what do people say? I think a lot of people said the next one will be here or there. And I don't think we meant that the very next one. I think we meant, you know, you got to read of- the question, guy. No, I. Hey, but maybe the patrons have spoken. They might know something we don't maybe know. There's not going to be a gig factory in uh, South Korea. Interesting. All right. It's time for Elon's tweets of the week. And I think Elon was testing out the new community notes. This is where you get your you tweet something and then uh it kind of checks it to see if it's true. So he tweeted this out. Fanaticism is always a function of repressed doubt. A quote, he says, is from Dune. And then the tweet makes this thing, says readers added context. They thought people might want to know. This is not a quote from the book Dune, but from the psychologist Carl Jung. The actual quote is fanaticism is always a sign of repressed doubt. And then they post a link to it. I love this. Um, I think it's really cool because, you know, on the Internet, there's so many quotes that are like, Albert Einstein said this. And it's like, maybe he didn't. Um, So I think it's great that at least we're getting some factual stuff. And I do think this was Elon checking that. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he thought it was from Dune. Elon said, hope all the judgy hall monitors stay on other platforms. Please, I'm begging you. Experience what you get when you didn't get what you wanted. Igor. I don't know who Igor is. Where's the community notes for this one? I know, right? Come on, Twitter. Starlink now works for high latitudes. And of course, we talked about this. Alaska and Canada just got it. Uh, the tactics of mistake. And he's talking about holding off the relaunch of Blue Verified until there's high confidence of stopping impersonation. We'll probably use different color check for organizations than individuals. So everyone was talking about the media, how he screwed up. He was going to do blue check and then he had to call it back. And you know that's kind of what I like about Elon. He tries things. If it doesn't work, he tries again. And he allows himself to make mistakes. Um, it's not the worst mistake in the world. You know, it's just Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I really hate to say this. Like, I know that people like care about Twitter. I don't. I never use it. So I guess it's easy for me to say. But we do use it. We're using it now. I just read what Elon has to say. Elon said Twitter added 1.6 million daily active users this past week. Another all time high. So kind of weird that the media keeps saying that Twitter's dying. Twitter's dying. And in fact, it's growing. Wasn't Twitter supposed to die by now or something? Maybe we've gone to heaven or hell and didn't know it. Wait, if I tweet, does that count as work? Found this in the closet at Twitter headquarters. And uh, basically, it's a little video showing all the Stay Woke t-shirts that they found in the closet. Here we are uh, <laughs> at, the, at the merch thing. And there's an entire entire closet full of, Secret closet. of hashtag woke t-shirts. <laughs> Reducing the max allowed tweets per day to a number below what a speed typist on meth could do was helpful. So yeah, basically only bots can tweet that much and they're eliminating that. So if you try and tweet too much, it'll stop you. Interesting. Hate speech impressions down by one third from pre-spike levels. Congrats to the Twitter team. I have half a mind to wag my finger at the 1500 accounts that caused the spike, but I shall forbear. Should Twitter offer a general amnesty to suspended accounts provided that they have not broken the law or engaged in egregious spam? And most people said yes. So he said the people have spoken. Amnesty begins next week. Vox Populi, Vox Day. Thanksgiving cuisine is such a delightful symphony of flavor. What do you think of the culture war? Good. Great question. Simpsons predict I buy Twitter in season 26, episode 12. I don't know if that's true, but. It's a 
Well, it's a meme online now that the Simpsons have predicted everything that's ever right. happened. Gotcha. And then this retweet from SpaceX that Falcon 9 launched Dragon to the space station. I know it's just a little bit of news. You know. And he said Mars plans are still moving forward. Uh, and then he tweeted this out that the mind virus is pushing humanity towards extinction is not hyperbole. And this is from a New York Times uh, piece that was talking about how, you know, uh, there shouldn't be so many humans on Earth. And basically, Elon's been saying for years, it's actually not going to go up much further before it starts coming down. Crypto King said, Elon, I'm trying. It won't let me. And I'm verified. Need to edit one character I can't spell. Elon said, sorry for the delay. We're tentatively launching verified on Friday next week. Gold check for companies. Gray check for governments. Blues for individuals, celebrity or not. And all verified accounts will be manually authenticated before check activates. Painful, but necessary. Oh, my God. They have to manually do it? I don't know wow. how it's going to work. Uh, in the past, blue check mark has been this hoitsy-toitsy thing. And, oh, we couldn't you. even get it. No, we couldn't get it, obviously. <laughs> obviously, we obviously we couldn't get it. Um, who, do, who do we think we are? Right. I mean, if someone was impersonating us, I'm sure no one would believe them and, like, sp spend all their money on crypto or whatever. If, like, we... I still if, get if, emails if from people. Zach and Jesse tweeted, you know, hey, or what people would think, oh, isn't that Zach and Jesse? And if I if I give them Bitcoin, they'll give me 10 I Bitcoin I still back. get emails from people like, are you offering five times the Bitcoin that if I give you one? It's like, no, so, we're not. I mean, it... The blue check mark was not perfect on Twitter to begin with. I don't I'd have no idea if it's going to be more perfect now or if it's going to be worse. I have no idea. Elon tweeted out CNN. Elon could threaten free speech on Twitter by literally allowing people to speak freely. The amount of pro psyops on Twitter is ridiculous. At least with new verified, they'll pay eight dollars for the privilege. Haha. -ha. Twitter experienced slight degradation of service today from an old third party tool used to block accounts that had no rate limit. Psy should be fixed now. They had so much crap on there that that like his team is fixing in a couple weeks. Know. Just a note to encourage people of different political or other views to engage in civil debate on Twitter. Worst case, the other side has a slightly better understanding of your views. And I am paying eight dollars, by the way. Oh, and then this slides from my Twitter company talk. And I want you to look at the very last one. Payments. This is what we've been talking about. He's going to turn it into the everything app. You're going to be able to pay stuff on Twitter. It's going to turn it into like a Venmo. It's going to be very powerful. But also on video. Yeah, because it's coming. Because it's hidden. And uh, this little meme, I don't care about this particular psyop, honestly. And then Elon's bedside table. There's no excuse for my lack of coasters. Elon, the only problem I have with your bedside table is don't drink all that Coke. Uh, I don't think that's a real gun, by the way. I think that's from uh, like cyberpunk. What about the musket? That might be real. <laughs> All right, it's time for Community Mail Time. And remember, share your stories, your photos, your videos with us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. We love them. Come, keep, keep, keep coming in there. Let's go. Mike spotted this Walmart EV delivery van in San Antonio, Texas. John spotted this Lucid Air out and about in Tennessee. Ete sent us these pictures of a driving school Model 3 that he spotted in Israel. Mark spotted these Pizza Hut solos in California. Those are the three-wheeled uh, from Electrica Mechanica. Dominique saw this EV bus in Thailand. There's an excuse to go to Thailand. <laughs> Jeff saw these two R1Ts and a Tesla in the parking lot of Mountain Brook Golf Course in Gold Canyon, Arizona. Thomas spotted this sign for a disabled access supercharger stall. Yeah, he said, I was going through Dubuque, Iowa. I saw the attached Tesla supercharger sign. Even though I'm not disabled at all, I think having one disabled stall is a great idea that should be implemented everywhere to help our disabled compatriots. And I think that's really sweet. Dan found this Ionic 5 street charging in Amsterdam with uh, Van Gogh's almond blossoms as a wrap. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> wow. Put some fine art on your car. Kenneth spotted this iridescent wrapped Tesla in Fountain Hills, Arizona. And look at that license plate. Blurple. Hiram spotted this Rivian Amazon van in Sugar House, Utah. 
And Dan spotted the supercharger station going in in South Gothenburg, Sweden, home of Volvo, Geely, and Polestar. All right, it's time for supercharge reviews. And I do want to mention Tesla has added 10,000 supercharger plugs this year, bringing it up to 40,000 superchargers around the world. Wow. All right, let's see what we got out there in the world. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Scott reporting in from the Tesla version 2 supercharger installation at Leon Springs in San Antonio, Texas, just off of Interstate 10, north of San Antonio. There are 10 superchargers, version two, and it's in the parking lot of an HEB supermarket, which is open 6 a.m. to 11 p.m every day, I believe. There's lots of food and good restrooms inside there. And in the strip mall along here, there are several other food options. And there's a convenience store over there behind the Broadway Bank. Overall, good location. I'm gonna give this one a five out of 10 on the new Jesse scales. Now you know. Hey, Zach and Jesse, Andre here from Quebec to review a pretty new supercharger in Sherbrooke. It's a V3 supercharger, which is pretty rare in Quebec still, unfortunately. Uh, it's actually the first time I use one and uh, I must say it's pretty fast. It's got five stalls and it's right next to uh, Circuit Electric, uh, which is some kind of Electrify America chargers for the other kinds of cars as you can see it's populated with my very dirty tesla model y it's called the trooper and this charger is pretty well located uh, near uh, several restaurants like uh, pizza thing uh, breakfast thing w it's got a car wash and convenience store all the way to the end over there uh, it's pretty close to the uh, major hospital nearby Otherwise, on the downside, it's not very beautiful. Uh, it's pretty much in the backyard, like next to the garbage. But uh, I've got to say I'm pretty happy with the V3, which means I will give it an 8 out of 10 for the convenience for the V3, but minus 2 for uh, being a bit far away from the main highway and for being in pretty much the backyard where nobody wants to go and that's it thank you for all you do and now you know hey jack and jesse this is sal reporting from the sapopan jalisco supercharger it's located in the second level of the andares shopping mall it's within the guadalajara metropolitan area it's an install location with a 250 kilowatt v3 capability um, it's located within a big mall that has any and every amenity you could need. Everything from pharmacies, uh, restaurants, uh, services, uh, really nice Hyatt hotel, um, and anything you could want for a quick stop or for a long stop. It has a beautiful mural that was donated by the Tesla Owners Mexico group. Um, and it's an addition to the uh, Mexican supercharger network that allows you to travel from most of uh, Mexico's metropolitan area all the way to the U.S. 
So this is Sal reporting for Tesla Owners Mexico. Now you know. Bye, Jack and Jesse. Hey, Zach and Jesse. This is Jeff in Japan. Today, I'm at the four-stall Tesla Supercharger location in Kumamoto. It's located in the parking lot of a shopping mall that has all sorts of stores, including a supermarket, bookstore, drugstore, and cafe. An hour east of here will get you to Mount Aso, which is a pretty cool active volcano. 25 minutes west of here is the center of Kumamoto City, where there are streetcars, a beautiful castle, cute ninjas, a cute mascot, and dancing samurai. Since this supercharger location is right in a shopping mall parking lot with plenty of stores and bathrooms, I'll give it a 10 out of 10. Now you know. Thank you so much for doing supercharger reviews. Um, we have put all of them into a map. So it is a helpful guide for you if you are planning a supercharging adventure. Um, you can check it out over at nowyouknowchannel.com. Um, That's where you submit them, by the way. You can also submit them there. So when you're doing your adventure and you get to the supercharger that doesn't have any reviews, you can add your own. Or if give your own even if it has a review. Exactly. All right, what are the new superchargers that have gone in in the world, Jess? Uh, there's a lot of them. All right. They were all put in just this week. Oh, it's past, another two-pager. Just in the past seven days okay. since our last TTN. Let's do it. We got the three-stall in Beijing at Gihua New Century Hotel, China. The three-stall in Huzhou, Shenghui Bay Sunrise Silver Sand Salt Crystal Hotel, China. <laughs> you don't get more points for naming it longer. <laughs> The 8-stall in Bertherville, Quebec. The 16-stall in Addison, Texas. Number 27 in Connecticut is the 12-stall in New Haven, Connecticut. The 6-stall in Winyard, Saskatchewan. Number 53 in Pennsylvania is the 8-stall in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. Number 37 in Georgia is the 12-stall in Roswell. The 8-stall in Brewster, New York. Number 10 in Delaware is the 8-stall in Bear, Delaware. The 24-stall in Northridge, California. The three-stall in Tongshan Yuhao Hotel, China. Number 1,476 in China is the six-stall in Shanghai at the Everbright Life Plaza, China. Number 101 in the UK is the four-stall, only 150 kilowatts, in Belfast in UK. Number 28 in Nevada is the 12-stall in Fernley, Nevada. The four-stall in Milk River, Alberta. The eight-stall in Coburg, Ontario. Number 320 in California is the eight-stall in Dunnegan, California. The 12-stall in Batavia, New York. Number 165 in Canada is the 12-stall in Port Severn, Ontario. Number 96 in Texas is the eight-stall in Shenandoah, Metro Park Drive, Texas. The eight-stall in Lamont, Florida. Number six in Romania is the eight-stall at Cluj-Napoca, Romania. Number 77 in New York is the 12-stall in Bayshore, New York. Number 113 in Florida is the 16-stall in Fort Lauderdale at East Sunrise Boulevard, Florida. And number 31 in Indiana, number 1570 in the USA, number 4,445 in the world, the 40,183rd stall is the 8-stall in Washington, Indiana. Wow. 
Oh my goodness, we got through the show. Woo. Thank you guys for helping us get through the show. And thank you for watching to the end. Thank you for being part of this awesome community. I mean, so much of the show is community driven. So many of the stories that we hear about are from you. And so that's why I think this makes the show so great. We're not just getting the media from just whatever you get in your Google feed. Press release. Exactly. We're Here's getting, a press release for you. This is amazing. <laughs> all over the world. And it's all because of you. So if you haven't first of all, subscribed yet, please just hit the button. It doesn't cost anything. Um, and if you haven't liked the video yet, please like it. It helps share it with more people. And if you're thinking about joining our Patreon, just pull the trigger. It's a buck a month uh, for all of our Patreon bonus stories. I think you're really going to enjoy them. And there's a lot more over there you can check out too. And you know what I think is really cool? We have done, this is our 325th Tesla Time News consecutively in a row. And we have almost... 325,000 subscribers. That's 1,000 subscribers per Tesla Time News on average. Wow. Um, and if you are if you haven't subscribed, well, you can help us catch up to our quota. Is that how it works? <laughs> yes. So oh. if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Um, turn on the notification bell so that we don't miss any of our content. I mean, YouTube has been a real... Mm. lately it's just not sharing our videos with as many people i don't know what's going on with the algorithm we're working just as hard but uh if youtube doesn't help us you have to help us by hitting the like button it really does make a difference it tells the algorithm that oh we should share this so please just hit the like button and i know that so many of you have already hit the like button and i really really appreciate it you guys really help out this channel um and again i want to thank our amazing patreon patrons we'll see you next week now you know at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.